Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. So when we're speaking clearly and speaking boldly, the people that are rejecting you are not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. That's who they're rejecting. High Point with Ron Zappia, pastor of High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. We're in a study focused on anchoring you in the Word of God, and today we're looking at an aspect of faith that Jesus himself said would come. It's suffering. You know, Steve, Jesus himself suffered, and he told us very clearly as his followers that we would go through suffering too here on earth as we would face many, many different kinds of trials. And so I don't know if that's a trial for you, sharing your faith and being ostracized or being rejected, or if it's a personal difficulty as you're struggling with some kind of illness or something has happened, you've lost your job. There's all kinds of struggles that we find and we suffer as followers of Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about navigating the suffering, the pain, the hardship that comes as a result of our faith so that we can get stronger. Well, let's jump right in as together we're learning to believe and belong to and become more like Jesus. That's our mission here each and every day. Here's Pastor Ron. At some point in your Christian walk, you will encounter varying degrees of pushback and suffering because of your beliefs. Some of you are being ostracized by the people that you love, whether it's family, friends, whether it's spouse, how are we to deal with it? Open up your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 8. We find hope in suffering, and that's what this letter is about. It's about finding hope in the midst of difficulty. There's much pain that these followers of Christ were going through as a result of living for their faith as first-generation believers. He uses verse 8. It's interesting. Look at verse 8. He says this, finally. So Peter's like, finally, I get to this. And that's what he says when he says, finally, all of you. See it right there? In the original language, there's five uh, descriptors that describe why we are to stick together. He says this. We're in this together, guys. We, 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 we have unity of mind. That's the first thing he said. We're united in the same beliefs. And then he says this. He says this. We feel the same. Look at the next word he chooses. He says we have sympathy. We, have, we, are, we are sympathetic is what he's talking about. Then he says brotherly love. Now that's the word that's reserved for the love that we have as followers of Christ for brothers and sisters. And then he says this, he says, have a tender heart. We also care the same. And we want to see people's needs met, just like Jesus did. And we have a unique opportunity to meet those needs with the gospel. And lastly, he says this, have a humble mind. He's just speaking here generally of our inner attitude and what comprises us. And as followers of Christ, we're not to be arrogant. We're to do what? We're to, to be humble in the way we look at things and look at the world. And we're in this together. We've got to stick together. And we're in this together. And there's pain and there's suffering and there's difficulty that we face as followers of Christ. And, and we need to move forward. Next thing, um, verses 9 through 12. We find hope in suffering when we do this, when we stand tall. See, we can't sink to the level of the people who don't believe. 
We can't lower ourselves and our standards because the friends that we have and the family members that we are engaged with continually don't have the same convictions that we do. We need to stand tall in the face of whatever kind of persecution you're facing. Look at verse 9. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Simply means insult for insult. He's like, don't do that at all. He says, but on the contrary, do what? What's the word? Bless. Bless. Go ahead and circle that. He's kind of like this. The blessing here is that you would do something differently. How can you respond in a way that is unlike the rest of the world? Why would I want to do that? Because this is what you're called to, verse 9, that you may what? So, so you may obtain a blessing. You will feel a deep sense of satisfaction and joy as you are doing what God desires and what he wants in the face of difficulty. Well, what, what are we supposed to do in the midst of this suffering? I'm telling you what, love this part. We're to strike back. And yes, it's okay to come back with an uppercut. Look with me at verse 13. He tells us how we're to strike back. And first he asks this rhetorical question because remember, they're in the midst of people are like really hurting them. And he says, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But look at verse 14. But he says this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Well, how how do I do that? Well, look at verse 15. That's why he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, as holy. So you're not going to have your fear quotient handled correctly if Jesus is not on the throne of your life. When, When he's at the center of all things, you begin to fear people less and God more. Do you know what I'm saying? It's with precision. Look at verse 15. Love this verse. It says, always be prepared. Always be what? Always be ready. Always have your game ready to go, man. Always be ready. Always have your shoes in the back there to get going, to get things moving, to do what you got to do. Always be prepared to what? To make a defense to anyone who asks. You for the reason, for the hope, there it is, that is in you. Always be ready to strike back with words of hope. And he's saying, make sure when you talk with them, be prepared to give a defense. Make sure that you can share your story. Make sure that you can share your testimony. Make sure that I'm telling you as this is going down, make sure you say a good word for Jesus. I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm telling you guys, you got to work on this. It doesn't come by accident. He says, do it with, are you in verse um, 15 with me? Do it with what? What does it say? The first thing, he says, gentleness. They were being harassed by the, the government officials. And, and he's like, you got to respect their position. and don't, don't come across like a know-it-all. And then verse 16, he's like, how am I going to know if I'm doing a good job at this? Having a good conscience. <laughs> See, con- the conscience is the God-given um, instrument that's been given to you and it tells you right or wrong. It's your moral compass. And, and you're going to know if you did it right. <laughs> let, let me bottom line these verses. What he's trying to say here is simply this. All he's trying to indicate is that, you know what? It's not about the person that's giving you abuse. How, how do you put that person to shame? 
Well, you put them to shame by just honoring Christ in the midst of the situation, and then it's the other people that are around witnessing this situation. Those are the people that are watching, sometimes with more eager hearts to embrace what you're believing or what you're saying than that person. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Don't worry about the one-on-one interaction. Worry about the people that are watching and who's watching this thing go down because those are the ones that can be influenced. And those are the ones that may change. We find hope in suffering. When we do what? We've we, we got to do some stuff, guys. We've got to stick together, all of us. I, I'm telling you, we've got to do what? What's the next thing? I'm telling you, we've got to stand tall. We, we can't give in. What else we got to do? I'm telling you, we gotta, we got to strike back. We can't just, you know, we got to have our holster ready. We got to have the gun, you know, it's got to be drawn, man. You got to have your gun ready to go, and there's got to be ammo in it. And I'm telling you, that little holster thing needs to be flipped over so you're ready to fire at any time. You say, but well, how am I going to do it? Well, you do it with gentleness, you do it with respect, you do it with a good conscience. We got to do this, we got to speak boldly. It's the last thing. We got to speak boldly. We're about ready to tackle the hardest verses in the entirety of the New Testament. Verses 18 and 20 through 22 probably have more written on it than I want to explain to you. Before we get started, though, let's, I'm going to ask for your attention. Before we get started, know this. If you get ready to tune out now, know this, that nothing here compromises the, ba- the basic tenets of our faith. But there's been much re- written, and, and most words, every word's debated, and it just gives rise to a, different, a lot of different interpretations. So let's get with it. Verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, love this, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 18 is all about the gospel. It's the heart of the gospel. Verse 19 says this, in which he, there's the first thing, he, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Most people do not disagree with that interpretation. But let's see what happens next. He went, where did he go? We'll get to that in a minute. He went and proclaimed, he proclaimed something? What did he say? That's one of the things that is debated. Who did he say it to? It tells us in the text, it's really clear in the text, to the spirits in prison. I'm not sure who he talking about there? Who is he talking about? This spirit's of prison. Well, some people believe that Jesus, in between his death and his resurrection, went to the people that existed that, that were in hell or Hades prior to the flood in Genesis, chapter 6 through 10. You say, where did he get that from? Well, look at verse 20. Because they formerly did not obey God when God's patience waited in the days of Noah... See, so Noah gets into this somehow. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So he, he sidetracks and he's saying like this. He's like this. Jesus went and talked to some people, some people that were in prison, these spirits. Why? Because they didn't obey God and they waited in the days of Noah. So while the ark was being prepared and there was only eight people that got saved. You remember the story of Noah? And Noah's like this guy who suffered, right? And Noah's this guy who had this, he was a voice and speaking boldly. And that's the example we're supposed to learn from him. So some people believe that God did this, that Jesus, in between his death and his resurrection, he went to hell and he gave those people a second chance. 
That's not what I would believe. Why? Because the entirety of the New Testament and the Old Testament speak against this. Ron, I just need one verse. Let me give you one. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Commit it to memory. For it is, only appointed, for it is appointed for man to die once. All of us are going down. It's appointed for man to die once, the scripture says, and then comes judgment. So what happens is, is we only get one shot at this. I grew up thinking this and not understanding it. You say, well, did they get it from this? No, there's no scriptural support of that position. None. Zero. I don't see, I think with the context and what we're talking about with Noah, I, I don't believe the spirits in prison is necessarily talking about demonic spirits, but more about human spirits. listening to High Point with Ron Zappia and a message titled, Finding Hope in My Suffering. You can request a copy of this complete study when you call 844-HP-RADIO. Stay with us. There's more teaching in a moment. Hey, this is Ron Zappia, pastor and teacher on High Point. Every day we're calling men and women to elevate their faith through a fresh encounter with God. We take time to focus our thoughts, arrange our priorities, and encounter God in the midst of our day. Together, we explore God's word, we gain practical insights to guide our daily living. When we do this, we experience a new high point in our faith. Listen, we want you to draw closer to God through his word, get to know him better, and elevate your faith. We get real with what God says about topics like family and marriage, friendships, and living for Christ. On High Point, we're here to encourage you with God's word and provide you an encounter with Jesus. It's a lifelong journey, and I'd love to have you join me. So listen right here every Monday through Friday for High Point. For more Bible teaching resources from Pastor Ron Zappia, head online to www.highpointministries.com. That's highpointministries.com. This is High Point with Pastor Ron Zappia of High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. Our series is called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter. You can access both audio and video for the entire series on our website at highpointministries.com. Here's Pastor Ron. And it will become clear in a minute. This is what I believe. I go with the Augustinian position that was written hundreds of years ago. I was, um, if you want to know where I'm coming from most of the time, what plate I'm swinging or what side of the plate I'm swinging from, um, I was personally um, trained uh, by my advisor, Wayne Grudem, who has written volumes on this. Like, and Wayne Grudem's position is one that I would hold. So who is he talking about? He's talking about the spirit of Christ, that was in Noah, that God was speaking through Noah when Noah was confronting these people. And Noah's building this ark, you know what I'm saying? And people are laughing at him like, this guy is, can you believe the jokes about this guy? And so people are laughing at him and persecuting him. That's what's going on in the context. It's about people, they're persecuting. That's what, he's, that's what Peter's talking about. How do you respond to persecution? Well, people were persecuted in Noah, and guess what? It was Jesus who was speaking through him. Flip for a moment. Keep your finger in 1 Peter 3. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is um, why I, I choose to believe in this position. I think it's all right here. Look at verse 10. You say, does God do that? Does God speak through people? Does the Spirit of Jesus speak in people? Well, Peter, you know, he was just a fisherman. Didn't have his MBA or anything, and so you give us a clue in chapter 1. Look, it says, Concerning this salvation, 
The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So he's talking about the prophets inquiring what person or time, here it is, the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. There it is, look at that. Spirit of Jesus was in the Old Testament prophets. Spirit of Jesus was in Noah. Verse 21, chapter 3. It's not getting any easier. Look at verse 21. <laughs> baptism. Why is he talking about that? Baptism, what's that? That's baptism is the outward sign of an internal commitment. That's what it means for us. It's the outward sign of an internal commitment that I, you know what, I believe in Jesus, so I get baptized. Happens after belief. That's what the New Testament teaches. Belief, then baptism. Why is he talking about this? Baptism, which corresponds to this, to what? What's the same? Water. Baptism, here we go, here's the trouble. Now saves you. Ooh. So it's me getting baptized that saves me. I thought that's not what it's about. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 make that pretty clear. For it is grace that you've been saved through faith, not as a result of works. Book of Romans makes it pretty clear. <laughs> Want some verses? Go to Romans. It's about faith, not works. What, what, what is he talking about then? Baptism saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ. Let's finish it out. Verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. Water marks the clear break. It marks the second chance. Water for Noah marked the second chance, the clear break from the path. Water for us as followers of Christ. It marks the clear break, the second chance. Baptism marks the clear break from what? From the path. See, we get confused, don't have time to go into it, but we get confused because baptism, the way we do it today in our churches, not this church, our churches, the body of Christ collectively, baptism for so many people, it happens so far after the day they become followers of Christ. It's like three, four, five years. And that's, that's nothing like it was in the New Testament. The New Testament believers, they believed, and immediately it was like this, man, they got baptized right then, boom. There was no waiting around, calling the parents, getting everybody together. It, they didn't care, man. It was like, no, I'm getting baptized. That's just the way it goes down. But we've messed it up so much. We get baptized not only a long time after, but some of us, like me, we get baptized before we become believers. <laughs> right? It's kind of like this. Baptism is like this ring that I wear. And baptism is just, as this ring is assigned to you, ladies, that I'm taken. <laughs> baptism is a sign that I'm Jesus's and, and I'm taken. But see, like I got the ring because I said I do. And I stood at the altar with a wonderful, beautiful wife. And, and, and we made a commitment together. Now, just think for a moment what Jody would do to me if I just said, hey, I think I'll wear that ring five years from now. I'll get that ring five years later. I, I, she wouldn't be into it. Are you, are you getting the picture? And, and, and because, why? Because the ring didn't say, you know, the ring doesn't sign, you know, the ring just is a symbol that I said I do. And that's what baptism is. Right, do you got it now? 
So, so, so you understand, well, I, I haven't been baptized yet. Hey, guys, we do that here. We'll do it. It's coming up. Just stay tuned. It's a great opportunity. Don't let it go by. Don't miss it, okay? So what are we getting back to with this? We're to speak boldly. Why? Why are we to speak boldly? I got to tell you why, because let me draw this whole thing together. Because Noah spoke boldly, and it was actually Christ speaking through Noah in the midst of the persecution. And the people that rejected Noah really weren't rejecting Noah. What they were rejecting was Jesus. So when we're speaking clearly and speaking boldly, the people that are rejecting you are not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. That's who they're rejecting. I'm not saying go look for trouble. I'm not saying go get a sign and paint repent on it and go stand in downtown uh, Naperville or the city of your choice. I, I, I'm not saying that, although there's a lot of people, I'm telling you, some people have come to us and they're like, well, that's the only way. That's the way you got to get people saved, man. That's it. I mean, you got to get out there and just beat people over the head with it, and that's what you got to do. And I, I, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're to go to your work and get the whiteboard every morning in the conference room and write some verse of condemnation for all of the employees. <laughs> I'm not, you know, pick out a good Old Testament, you know, God's vengeance is going to have, like just, I'm not saying to do that. Why? Because I know people that do that and it's not the most effective. I'm not down on all those things, but what I'm saying is this. See, in the New Testament, the church is the billboard. The church is the sign that says repent. The the church is the whiteboard. The four-story building on I-88 with 100,000 square feet, God's story, I'm telling you, that dispenses hope each week. This is the place that you're to do what? That you're to bring people who need hope that they would do this. See, let me just give you a little basic teaching. See, in the New Testament, it was the love that was displayed amongst the brethren as people came into the body of Christ. That's what God used to save people. So yeah, he can use some sign or some bumper sticker, but I'm just telling you this, I'm banking on the love piece because that's how the unbelieving world knows. So I'm not saying to beat people over the head But what I am saying is don't back down. And I've been through my share, my fair share of long rides home from Cleveland to Chicago with family members who didn't understand Jody and I and relatives that made fun of us. I've been through the fair share, I'm telling you, in the business world where I worked for eight years and I was a believer for three. I remember being treated differently and I remember the difficulty it was that I I didn't quite fit in and... I, I, I was made fun of. I mean, I used to be the guy making fun of them. I mean, so, so, so I, I know what that feels like. Let's as a church not back down. Let's as individuals be ready to give a good defense. You're listening to High Point with Pastor Ron Zappia and a message from our series called Anchored. You can access previous messages along with additional resources and our contact information online at highpointministries.com. 
So, Ron, why is this so important to be grounded in Scripture? I know you talk about it a lot, but when it comes to this topic of suffering, I know it's especially important. Well, Steve, I'll tell you this. Scripture makes it clear that we need an answer when someone asks about our faith. And if we aren't consistently spending time in the Word of God, we won't have the answers we need at the tip of our tongue, ready to go, ready to talk with people and explain to them and really lead them in the ways of God. That's why we're offering a special resource this month called the High Point Journal. When you read God's word with this journal, we'll use this acronym REAP, read, examine, apply, and pray. And you can do each one of those things. We've got several reading plans for you to choose from so that you can consistently spend time in God's word and become better equipped to respond to people, to answer people, to grow in your faith as you journal your thoughts and your insights from the word of God. You can request your copy of the High Point Journal when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. Call 844 844- HP radio or go online to highpointministries.com. If you prefer to send a check, address it to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. Spending time in God's word on a daily basis is hard until you make it a habit. And sometimes you just need a new resource to help you create that habit. Request a high point journal to help you get in the word and spend time with God each and every day. Call 844-477-2300. Four, six, or go to highpointministries.com. And if you want to share how High Point has impacted you, or if you have a prayer request that you'd like to share, let Ron know. He loves to hear from you. You can email him directly at pastorron at highpointministries.com. I'm Steve Smith. Be sure to come back tomorrow as we learn about finding hope in our world right here on High Point with Ron Zappia.